Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. Continuing the series on some of my favourite producers, again emphasising that this is not a comprehensive list of the greatest producers in the world, but ones that I have really enjoyed and which have really changed my attitude towards a region, or or producers which have really inspired a change in a region. And for this um, episode, I'm going to focus on a producer which is very young and new, but one that's getting better and better, and which is really giving indication of how a region is changing, and maybe a projection of how the region is going to develop. And this is a producer from Washington State in the United States called Savage Grace. And I'm a huge fan of this producer. The, um, The winemaker is Michael Savage, and he is producing some fantastic wines, which are in a different styled from what Washington is generally associated with. Uh, So in the first episode of this series, I focused on Andrew Will, who makes absolutely fantastic wines. But these can be, these are more full-bodied and a cross between France and California, if you like, as as, as, uh, the winemaker there, Chris Camardo, described it to me. Uh, Savage Grace is a bit, is more French influenced and much less of a California cross. And so I think in tasting these wines, you think more of France than you do of California. So a different expression of Washington. There's a lot of variety in Washington, which is really exciting. And what Michael is doing is expressing some of that variation and that Washington doesn't have to be one monolithic uh, style of wine. And it is a young region, only really coming into its own in in the 1990s. And so there's a lot of different things that can be done. In, in Washington, and Michael is one of those producers to go in a slightly different direction from others, which I find really interesting. So I first met Michael Savage on a, on a media trip to Washington, I think it was about five years ago now, and I travelled around the different um, AVAs of Washington, starting in Walla Walla, going through Red Mountain into Yakima Valley, and then across the Cascade Mountains into Seattle, where I went to a restaurant with uh, some winemakers, uh, three different winemakers, and he was one of them. And he's a he's a very quietly spoken, shy guy, uh, but very nice, very well spoken, very uh, passionate and intense about winemaking. And at that point, he was still at the beginning of his um, career in production and still learning about what he was doing. The wines that really impressed me were his Sauvignon Blanc, but particularly his Chardonnay, which was so similar to Chablis, which I'd never really tried from a US producer before, something that had that acidity and but and didn't have that full ripe fruitiness to it. I was reluctant to compare um, New World wines to Burgundy because there's so many differences and producers are quite um, loose in their, in describing their wines as Burgundian and Michael does not use that term, but there was a similarity to Chablis which was quite striking. And then also absolutely fantastic Cabernet Franc as well, which reminded me of the Loire Valley. And there he was a bit more direct in the comparison because it's the wines of the Loire which really inspired him to make wine um, in Washington and something he wanted to reflect, not imitate, but be inspired by in Washington rather than the wines of of Bordeaux, which inspire a lot of producers, or the Rhone, because Washington makes amazing syrup as well. So so I was struck by his very different take on Washington wine, different expressions of the wine, and um, 
was determined to to follow him and see how his career would develop. And it's always exciting to meet a young producer who is making who's doing something different and see where they go. I went to Seattle again a couple of years after that and made a point of going to Woodenville and um, going to his tasting room and meeting him again. And at that point, Michael was making his wine in his tasting room at Woodenville. So it's a very uh, small uh, micro winery, if you like. And uh, we actually got the chance to pitch uh, the yeast into his Sauvignon Blanc, which was actually the last time that he used um, cultured yeast with his Sauvignon Blanc. So for all his other wines, it's native yeast. But he had actually found um, Sauvignon Blanc very difficult grape variety to work with when relying on native yeast. So he's still using cultured yeast then. But I've uh, met him since, and that was the last time he did that. And so a really um, absorbing, interactive encounter to kind of help him make, make the wine in a very small way. The last time I saw him, I was in Washington about 18 months ago, and I went to his tasting room in Woodenville again. I wanted to introduce uh, a friend of mine to his wines, and um, just went there just to taste the wines. Didn't expect him to be there, but he was, and um, everything had changed in just just two and a half years since I'd seen him before then. He now owns a vineyard in Columbia Gorge, which is on the border between Washington and Oregon. And so he's not making wine in his tasting room anymore. He's making it at a winery in um, in Columbia Gorge, which is really exciting and a huge development from that point of just making wine and see what he could do to actually being hands-on in the vineyard and in the winery and getting real and getting real control over what he's doing. And so it's been really exciting to see the development in his wines, and they are definitely getting better and better. So I've gone from being extremely impressed and excited by them to actually thinking that these are some of the best wines in Washington being made. And Columbia Gorge itself, I think, is the most exciting AVA in Washington. So it's not just Michael Wines, and he he makes wines from his own his own vineyard that he now owns, but he also makes wines from all over Washington as well. It's quite uh, typical of Washington winemaking to access different sites because it is a large um, state and there's a lot of variation there, which is which is fun. It means he can make uh, different styles, different grape varieties, and not just rely on his own vineyard. But Columbia Gorge itself is the most exciting AVA uh, because all the wines I've tasted, not just from Michael, have been really consistently interesting, consistently stand out as different from the rest of Washington. And that's because it's a cool, wet uh, climate. So it's just inland from Portland. And Portland is an extremely wet city. And I think Columbia Gorge receives over 2,000 millimeters of rain a year. And so extremely different from dry Washington state. So Columbia Valley is extremely dry, but also different from Willamette Valley. It's um, actually wetter than Willamette Valley. So a lot of rain coming in. And most of the varieties being planted there are white varieties. So there's some very good Riesling, some very good Chardonnay. Um, Michael makes Gruner Veltliner, which is absolutely fantastic. And these wines are really marked by really fresh, lively acidity. And they're not overtly fruity. There's um, a real balance to these wines um, in general, not just from Michael, but from other producers as well. So a really exciting region and one that I definitely think I urge you to try if you've not done so before. Uh, confusingly, it straddles the Columbia River, so it's both in Oregon and in Washington. So whether to consider it as a Washington wine region or an Oregon wine region um, is a matter of debate. But generally, it's considered to be a Washington region because Oregon is so closely associated with Willamette Valley. Marketing other regions in Oregon is actually quite difficult, which is, well, it's a question for another day. But uh, marketing as a Washington wine is a bit easier. So what kind of wines does Michael produce at Savage Grace? And um, this Sauvignon Blanc, 
which I like. Sauvignon Blanc in Washington works really, really well. And it has a fullness and a richness uh, to the wines, but a nice herbaceousness to it and a fresh acidity and a really good expression of that Sauvignon Blanc isn't just a pungent, overly powerful style of wine that can be balanced, that can be finesse to them. I've mentioned the Chardonnay with its leanness and its elegance and its finesse and its acidity, and I think that's what really marks uh, Michael's wines out, that freshness to the wines that comes from the acidity and a lack of oakiness as well. These are not overly extracted, overly matured wines. Likewise with Gruner Veltliner. Gruner Veltliner is a interesting grape because how well it works outside of Austria has never really been fully explored and it's really only in recent years that people have begun to even learn about this grape variety. But certainly the, the wine that Michael makes is a very good comparison to Austria because it has the freshness and the pepperiness uh, that you would expect from Gruner Veltliner. And probably the climate of uh, Washington isn't that dissimilar to Aust Austria. So Gruner Veltliner is one that really could work. Back in the 1970s when Washington got going, Blau Frankisch was the grape variety which was recommended for Washington because the climate was considered quite uh, similar to um, Austria. And then that never really uh, took off. It's called Lemberger in Washington, because that's the German name for Blau Frankisch. Wines from that great variety can be extremely good too. So there's no surprises that Grunewaldina could work here. Um, also Riesling, and his Riesling has won um, a lot of accolades. It's an uh, off-dry Riesling. Uh, again, going back to the 1970s, Riesling was the great variety which was seen as the, the great variety which would really promote Washington's wines. Riesling was very popular back in the 1970s. It's very widely planted in California. German wines were very popular in general. And Washington's white wine reputation was built on Riesling, and there are some very good Rieslings made in Washington, though I generally find them a little too full, a little too ripe. Um, Washington producers are definitely working to find the best sites for grape varieties and getting more involved and more developed in their understanding of where grape varieties work best. So I think the Riesling in Washington is probably going to get better and better, and Michael's is an example of that, because there is acidity to the wine, and I keep mentioning that with his wines, but that's something that really strikes me with them. Um, but there's also some residual sugar, so a bit of fullness. Combination of flavours and structure, which is um, a little bit different from an overly sweet wine, which doesn't quite have the acidity. So it's all about the sense of place, sourcing the grapes from the cooler, cooler climate as you would in Germany, rather than trying to overemphasize the fruitiness and the ripeness of the grapes. And then there's the red wines. Uh, so he makes Cabernet Franc from a couple of different vineyards. And these wines are absolutely fantastic. I remember him telling me that he accidentally left one of his Cabernet Francs in the car for two weeks uh, in the middle of summer. So it was really hot. So the wine, in effect, had been matterized, exposed to heat, and he opened it just out of curiosity to see how bad it had become. And he actually quite liked it. He gave him an example of what his Cabernet Franc might taste like in 10 or 15 years, as the wine had been matterized. And um, that gives you an example that these wines are quite, are potentially quite age-worthy, because even though he's a, a new, a fairly new producer and doesn't have too much experience in how his wines age, there's definitely the potential there because of that structure. And Cabernet Franc is an example of how influenced he is by the Loire Valley and gives an indication of the, the style of wine that he is making. Maybe a little bit fruitier than the Loire Valley and a little less herbaceous, but very similar in style and in quality. And then another example of how influence is 
been by the Loire Valley. Uh, it's perhaps no coincidence that my one of my favourite wine regions in the world is the Loire, and that I love Michael's wines is his Co. So Co is the um, Loire name for Malbec, and he makes the Mal- he makes his Malbec very much in a style influenced by the Loire, rather than Cahors, where Malbec originates from, or from Argentina. So rather than a big, full, fruity style of Malbec. It's a much more restrained, more herbaceous, lighter-bodied, lower-alcohol style of wine. It's perhaps the wine of his which I prefer the most. Also makes Cabernet Sauvignon, which almost sounds like um, a bit of a sellout to make Cabernet Sauvignon because everyone makes it. His Cabernet Sauvignon is very, very different from uh, what you would expect from Cabernet Sauvignon. Again, thinking that some Loire producers do make Cabernet Sauvignon and it's in a very herbaceous, light-bodied style. Uh, Michael's a bit fuller than that, a bit richer, but nevertheless um, definitely a lot lighter and a lot less fruity than you'd expect from Cabernet Sauvignon. And all those different grape varieties that Michael is working with are quite typical of Washington. The Washington state is a very broad um, area that where producers are still trying to figure out which grape varieties uh, work best and working with different varieties from different areas. I think Michael is really honing in on which grape varieties he likes best, which styles of wine he thinks works best, which vineyards he likes, and of course he now has his own vineyard and his own winery, so he can hone in even more um, than he was doing so before. So if you haven't tried Savage Grace wines, I highly recommend doing so. I'm not sure, actually, if they're available outside of the US, but they are available in California. I know that as well, obviously, as Washington, but very exciting wines. And a fun way to track a young producer and also where Washington is uh, going. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you.